0: Our gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19, and then 25 through 30. Jesus said, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you would not dance. We wailed, and you would not mourn. For John the Baptist came, neither eating nor drinking, and they said, he has a demon. The son of man comes eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And yet, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father. For such was your gracious will. All things on heaven and earth have been handed over to me by my Father. For no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. These words from Jesus today seem a little disconnected and strange at first, as happens often, I guess. And there are a lot of ways a preacher could preach about this bit from Matthew's Gospel. I could talk about the fickle ways of faith for those who didn't like John the Baptist because he wouldn't eat and drink like the rest of them, and those who were suspicious of Jesus because he did eat and drink like the rest of them. They accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard and a phony because he hung around with drinkers and jokers and tax collectors and sinners, presumably. Even Jesus himself couldn't please all the people all the time. And then there's that stuff at the end where Jesus welcomes the weary. Come to me, all you who are carrying heavy burdens. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I'm gentle, I'm humble of heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I've done a whole thing with that before about God's call and command to Sabbath and rest as a discipline of faith. And frankly, there's a lot in the world these days that makes me weary. And tired, and heavy-hearted. And I know that's true for many of you too, but I don't feel for me like I have a right to feel as weary or as heavy-hearted or as burdened as so many others do in the world these days. So this time around, I couldn't stop wondering about how Jesus talks about the infants He says, I thank you, Father, for you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. God has hidden something very important from the wise and the intelligent, and by God's strange, gracious, holy will, these important things have instead been revealed to the likes of infants, Jesus says. As far as I'm concerned, all of that is just another way of saying what we've heard from Jesus many times before that God chooses the least among us the weak the needy the humble the small the last to receive and to share to bless and to be blessed by the grace and the good news that is revealed in Jesus and all of that means Jesus really wasn't only talking about infants literally It means infants was just one way of suggesting, another way of saying, once again, that the least of these, the last, not the first, the powerless, not the powerful, are the ones in the world for whom God's good news comes first and foremost and can be received most loudly and clearly and purely and faithfully. Which means, too, then, that the same good news can be hard to hear, hidden even, if you believe Jesus, from the wise and the intelligent, hidden from the first, hidden from the powerful, hidden from the more fortunate, more often than not. Which means, I think, many of us, myself included, are missing more than we realize. We're missing more than we'd like to. We're missing more than God would hope for us when it comes to wrapping our heads and our hearts around the fullness of God's grace and good news for the sake of the world, because our wisdom and intelligence, our status and privilege, to use the buzzword of the day, and the abundance and wealth that go along with that hide the fullness of God's good news from us a lot of the time. To try to show you what I mean, I cobbled together some passages from scripture, the meaning of which might be hidden from those of us who live in a more safe, more stable reality compared to so many others around the world. Passages that speak differently to the proverbial infants of the world than they do to the wise and intelligent ones to whom Jesus refers. Easiest one, when you've heard me talk about in other ways in places, I think, comes from the Exodus story and the Israelites released from slavery in Egypt. And I wonder how that story would be received with a different kind of hope by African-American slaves in the earliest days of our nation, for example, than it could possibly have been received and wasn't by their more privileged and powerful, supposedly wise and intelligent slave owners. The slave owner might wonder why God had to be so harsh as to harden Pharaoh's heart and then destroy all the firstborn in Egypt. The slave, of course, might rejoice and hope in Israel's deliverance at all costs from the same oppression and suffering and death that the slaves suffered. And think about how someone in a war-torn place like Afghanistan this morning might hear Psalm 46, God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved, God will help it when the morning dawns, the nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice and the earth melts, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. It must come with a measure of hope or maybe even some measure of impatience and frustration that I can only guess about. Imagine what Isaiah's prophecy to bring release to the captives and freedom to the oppressed has to say to the millions of refugees displaced and homeless all over the continent of Africa. Imagine what those same promises of release and freedom would mean to a young girl being controlled and trafficked right here in our own neck of the woods. Again, something I can only guess about. How differently does my friend in Fondois, Haiti, Madame Jean, she's a widow, she's raising her orphaned granddaughter in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, how differently does she find hope, if not some righteous anger and frustration when God charges the faithful people to care for the widow and for the fatherless. I can't help but wonder what the men we worship with up at the Pendleton Correctional Facility think when they hear Jesus invite us in Matthew 25 to visit the prisoner. And then when he says, when we do that, it's as if we're visiting with Jesus himself. How does an actual prisoner hear those words? How would the family of Brianna Taylor, who was shot eight times and killed by police in the middle of the night while sleeping in her own bed in her own home for having done absolutely nothing wrong, how must they, or any parent who's lost a child for that matter, hear and pray and cry the words of Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? I hope I never have to pray those words in that way. And I could go on. And please don't misunderstand. These words and promises, all of this good news from Scripture has meaning and depth and hope and promise for each and every one of us in our own ways, too, at various times in our lives. But what I'm challenged by this time around is Jesus' reminder that we have a lot to learn from so many of God's children who live and suffer and struggle and survive and hope and persist in this world in ways and under circumstances most of us are blessed only to imagine. In so many cases, we are the wise, you and I, and the intelligent in Jesus' comparison today. And so much is hidden from our sight because we are blinded by our own privilege and by our own abundance and by our own safety and security, and that can be a hard truth to hear. But there is hope, so much hope here, really. Because Jesus also says that wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, people. And I like to say that real wisdom, true wisdom, faithful wisdom and understanding is not only vindicated by her deeds, it is also indicated by our deeds. Whenever we respond with faith and love and generosity and service and humility and sacrifice on behalf of the struggle and the suffering that surrounds us in this world if we use our holy imagination, you and me, the wise and the intelligent, if we believe that, if we could read our Bibles, if we could hear God's good news from the perspective of the last and the least out there around us, and then respond to what we know with the greater measure of the grace that is already ours, if we could use the wisdom and the intellect, the power and the privilege with which we have been blessed, our own eyes will be opened. Our own hearts will be set free. Our own hope will be stoked for the benefit of the world around us so that the last will be first. So that the oppressed will go free. So that the lost will be found and the blind will see and the lonely will find comfort and the hungry will be filled and all of God's children, all of God's children will find rest and peace and hope a new life together under the loving yoke of God's grace and mercy and joy and justice in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.